Here's that song we all know and love. Blau und weiß sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Lieben, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our shows. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. We'll also pick up articles on the club and talk a little bit about them. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Doing excellent. The fourth consecutive Victory Sunday. Ah, yes, um, we recording this. Also, Selection Sunday for all my college basketball people out there. I got to shout out my Kansas Jayhawks whenever I get a chance. But They won. Uh, I saw that. They did. They won the Big 12 tournament, got a one seed. But uh, obviously, the big news is a uh, nice little streak of four wins going here for Schalke. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to imagine that uh, where we were at the one point, beginning of the run, that we would get it on a four-game win yeah. streak. But you heard that right. We are on a, on a four-game win streak. It wasn't pretty. But we got the three points we were looking for uh, this weekend. Um, does the ugliness of the victory in the area concern for you, or is it a sign of mental toughness? It doesn't concern me because, it, in, in a sense, it's it's kind of the same thing that we've been seeing all season for them. Um, I mean, I've talked about this repeatedly. I don't think that we are particularly good offensively. I think we struggle to break people down. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked the last couple podcasts about how we don't, win games one nil and then of course they've done that back-to-back weeks to make me look bad but um <laughs> you know we, we beat uh what was it freiburg one nil in the first half of the season and then you know the last couple weeks but um you know generally speaking schalke's defense has not been good enough to pull off those games where if we don't you know put a couple goals past an opponent we, we tend to struggle and uh this was a game where i think we easily could have conceded uh several goals based on how I thought, you know, we defended pretty poorly and, you know, gave up some chances. Right. Um, you know, Fairman had to make some saves for us. But um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we were to some extent lucky to get out of there with a win, but it's not concerning because I don't think it's anything new. Um, this has kind of been going on all season. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, uh, it's definitely sometimes, you know, the best teams, the teams that are trying to be champions um, and look at the champions in any of the, any of the leagues that around – uh, they don't always win pretty. They win ugly sometimes. So sometimes you have to win ugly. Um, but that said, though, I mean, uh, you like to see not a heart attack in every game that you're watching uh, as a fan. From the fan perspective, you want to see a comfortable victory every now and then, or at least a dominated performance where you're like, okay, one nothing, but they're shutting them down. There's no chance. You don't really get that with Schalke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I totally agree that these are the kind of games you have to find a way to ground out. Um, a result if you're trying to qualify for the Champions League. But at the same time, you know, if you were watching this game with no, you know, sort of context of what's going on this season in general, would you have thought that that was a game between, you know, somebody trying to avoid relegation and somebody in second place in the table? No, I would have thought they would have been in the same place in the table. I mean, exactly. And that's what I'm talking about is it would just be nice. I'm not complaining four wins in a row, obviously, but it would be nice from the Schalke perspective to like actually look like we're a second place team when we're out there because so many of these games yeah, are yeah. just kind of you know brutal to watch. If you look at any of the top, I'll say, let's say top five. Uh, if you look at the top five teams, if you watch them, if you had no context about you know where they were in the table, Schalke might be the only team that you aren't convinced that they're a top five team. Now, obviously, we, we know yeah. how, that, how it plays out because they have good defense and blah, 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 blah. 
Uh, but yeah, the way they play and stuff, it's not uh, indicative of a top five team. I mean, Byron's obviously Byron, uh, but Leverkusen has very high, high potent offense. Uh, Dortmund has that as well at times. Uh, even Frankfurt uh, has that also. So Schalke is just, um, it, it just seems like they're, they're going through the motions, but they're getting it done. It's just, it's just, it's, you know, it's a coal miners mentality, I guess is what, kind of what it's like. Yeah, I mean, we have more goals scored than than Frankfurt and and, and Leipzig, but um, you know, fewer goals scored than Hoffenheim down in seventh. Uh, seven goals fewer scored than than Bayer Leverkusen, and thirteen less than Dortmund. So, um, you know, we've somehow managed to get some results despite that. But um, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things that you would say either looking at Schalke statistically or or watching them play, where you know they don't exactly point to Schalke being in the in the position of the table that they are. But luckily for us, we, we're finding a way to kind of maintain that, and hopefully, we keep it going. Well, uh, Jose Mourinho is the one who says, I don't care how we look when we win. All I care is about a win. Uh, he's, he's, he's a big proponent of this. So this is like right up the alley of Mourinho. So I could, uh, in that respect, you know, I'm okay with it if you look at it like that. I'm okay with a 1-0 one, one win if it's a confident 1-0 win. Right, yeah. I mean, that, that was not a performance that, you, that, that was, I thought, like a dominant performance by us no, by any stretch of the imagination. It looked like they were going to score a goal multiple times. So I think there's a little bit of a difference there. There are a lot of Jose games he just, you know, parks the bus, whatever, kills it off and, um, you know, doesn't allow too many opportunities. I mean, you look at the Liverpool game this weekend. I thought it was, you know, very much like that. You know, the, this potent Liverpool attack looked, you know, largely toothless. But, um, you know, Mainz was out here looking like Liverpool normally does against us. So. <laughs> Well, on the uh, today on the Shaka podcast rundown, you know, as we said, coming off a three-game win streak, the boys were looking to keep that streak alive against lowly Mainz. In this episode, we relive the struggle against Mainz and look ahead to what Wolfsburg will bring us. Uh, we'll also discuss the Amin Harit disappearance act. So, Jack, uh, let's take it away, huh? Let's go. All right, this game marked a bit of a milestone for the home team. Uh, it was actually the 400th game in the Bundesliga for Mainz. Uh, this would be a sloppy affair, figuratively and literally, as it was pouring down rain in this one. Uh, young managers, both uh, Domenico Tedesco and Sandro Wagner, uh, led their respective, respective squads, uh, one on the high of a resurgence of a seasons, if you will, with uh, Schalke, uh, whilst the other uh, in Sandro Wagner is struggling to keep his team in the top division. I uh, would we'll take a look at the lineups real quick for the home team. Mainz, uh, in goal, you had Muller, who was, who was, uh, starting over, uh, Rene Adler, which was interesting to me. Uh, then you had, uh, Gabamin, Bell, Diallo, uh, Nigel de Jong in the midfield, uh, uh, Onisiwo, Serder, Latza, Brzezinski, Brzezinski, that's interesting. I like that Love name. Love that name. Yeah. Uh, uh, Uja and Kwaison. Now to look for the, uh, traveling Schalke fans, uh, their lineup. Uh, in goal, obviously, Farman. Uh, we had Kerrer, Naldo, and Nastasic in the back. Uh, in the right wing, we had Alessandro Schoff in the midfield, or central midfield, as I say. You had uh, Nabil Medtaleb, Weston McKinney, Daniel Calagiri on the left wing. And then up top, you had uh, Guido Bergstaller, Franco Di Santo in his false nine, and Marco Piazza. Uh, on the bench, oh, oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll finish with the bench. On the bench, we had Nubel, Ochipka, Meyer, Goretzka, Konoplyanka, Stambouli, and Mbolo. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the on the lineup in this one? Yeah, so from the Schalke perspective, um, 
Max Meyer and Goretzka are both out in the midfield. Uh, ben Taleb and, and McKenney taking up that. This is McKenney's first uh, start since his uh, MCL sprain about a month and a half ago or whenever that was. And um, beyond that, you know, pretty typical uh, Piazza uh, up top um, coming in for, you know, perhaps in Bolo or somebody in uh, Caligari. Switching over to the left side with uh, Alessandro Schupp coming in on the right. We've seen that at least once or twice before as well when, you know, Chipka doesn't get the nod and they put right. uh, Caligari over there rather than, you know, somebody else. So, um, but over that, you know, not, not too many surprises. Bergstaller, DeSanto kind of in similar positions to where they normally are. And then that, that back three of Nastasic, Nalo, um, and, and Karras, you know, pretty, pretty typical as well. Uh, no, I I agree 100% with that. Um, it was uh, it's nice to see Piazza get in here now a couple of weeks. And McKinney now again to start here, which is good because we want to see what he's going to give us long term, uh, knowing that uh, we, we probably – oh, we know, we know we lost Goretzka and we were probably losing Meyer. Um, the interesting thing for me, and it was what, not what wasn't starting, but also what wasn't on the bench, and that would be Amin Harit. Um, he's been having a little bit of a ghost disappearing act lately. Um, first, it wasn't him not starting – and just being on the bench, but now he's not even on the bench at all. Uh, it's a it's a head scratcher, if you will. Um, wh- what do you what do you take from all this? I mean, we thought it was just giving him some rest, but now it's getting to the point where he hasn't played like four or five games or something like that. Yeah, well, as you said, there's been some whispers of you know why that's been the case. Um, it is a little bit curious. I understand rotating him out occasionally because he did play a, a lot of minutes. Um, early in the season, and he was, you know, one of our most important players. But, uh, you know, because of how important he was, it is curious that he's been out for as long as he has. Uh, clearly, there's something else going on behind the scenes because, you know, a game here or there is, is you know, normal for rest. But I, this is a little excessive, in my opinion. So uh, hopefully, whatever it is, it gets sorts out, uh, sorted out soon. He gets back on the pitch because, you know, the most fouled player in the Bundesliga is somebody who's very dangerous in transition and really helps us um you know on the offensive end of things so i'd like to see him back in the lineup no doubt and he I mean, with all those fouls he draws he gets he sets up all those uh those uh free kicks and corner kicks and stuff so and that we're, we're lethal on those set pieces so he is instrumental in that so i read this week that um actually it was last week where he was actually caught in a random police check uh he wasn't driving he was a passenger uh he was being driven to practice i guess and they got stopped on the way to practice he ended up being late um so you had that. You also had uh, Tedesco saying, you know, hey, he, you know, he's had a great season so far. We're just trying to give him some rest. He's young, so we're trying to make sure he doesn't get, you know, too ahead of himself. Uh, but he's also said something like, uh, in practice, he hasn't shown us that his um, he's there. He, he's kind of had like a, a little a step behind, or um, he's had a little drop off in his in his uh, ethic, I guess. So he's trying to teach him a lesson. Maybe I, I don't know. I don't see anything about an injury or anything. So. Uh, maybe it's just Tedesco trying to um, shape him in a way that makes him better in the long run, I guess. <laughs> hey, you know, we've gotten four consecutive wins, and I think Tedesco's done a pretty phenomenal job overall. So if that's the case, I'll, I'll put my faith in him for now. But yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully we see Harit at some point because he is uh, really, really an incredible player. He's become a fan favorite this season, this, uh, this by what he's been doing. How can he not? Team. Yeah. I know, right? Uh, so, okay, so this one... Um, this game started in Mainz, as we said, it was raining. Uh, the game was actually delayed uh, due to flares from the Schalke fans. Um, the traveling Schalke fans were uh, busting out the flares, chanting before the game. 
But those, uh, were those our flares? It was our flares, indeed. Oh, it was. And it filled up the entire stadium. It because was awesome. The, Sh- the Shalga Twitter account tweeted out a picture of that and said, we get it, you vape, which was pretty funny. <laughs> it was funny. But I thought it was the Mainz, <laughs> the Mainz fans, but... I did too, and then I watched the, when I rewatched the game, I was like, "Oh, it was the Shaka fans." They're the one lighting up the the flares in the corner. Yeah, so that's awesome. Uh, so uh, that was pretty much the highlights of the first quarter hour of the match. Um, there wasn't much to talk much to talk about. Um, the ball was played mostly in the midfield. There was really no decent opportunities either way that I can think of. Um, the first real opportunity came, and the real first maybe controversy i don't know uh came in the 16th minute uh so daniel calagiri got on the end of a really overly hit uh cross by franco di santo from the right wing over to the left wing um i, I guarantee you that was not what he was going for uh, anyway calagiri he he made a move on the defender he ended up getting a shot off and it was blocked by Lazza, um who looked to have touched the ball with it with his hands and he was in the box mind you uh the ref wave play on uh but I was wondering, Jack, you know, after seeing the replay, what did you make of that? Did you think it was a handball or a good call? What did you think? I tend to be of the opinion when it comes to these in general that unless somebody's arm is in a ridiculously unnatural position, like way away from their body, or unless it's intentional, quite clearly, um, that I just prefer not to see these called in general. I mean, you look at this one, uh, didn't have a ton of time to react. His, his, his arm is a little bit out, but, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Um, in, in my opinion. So if that had been called, I think that would have been pretty harsh, um, you know, even though it would have benefited Schalke. But, um, you know, I, I tend to just kind of like when the referees kind of let these things go and just kind of let them get on with the game. How dare you say that? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I'm totally with you, actually. Um, I, uh, while it did, well, it did, I guess it did hit his hand. It was his body. His hand was in his body. His arm was in his body. It was just his hand in it natural position and the ball happened to hit him there uh i hate to see the uh, penalty call there for or against Schalke or for any team for that matter um i know i like you said you said exactly right it was, it was, it was a very natural play by the defender it wasn't like he was his, sticking his arm out to stop the ball like we've seen in other other plays where it's very blatant um i thought it was a good no call um well yes technically it did hit his hand i don't think a penalty should have been called in that position um Though if we if he did get the call, you know we had Bentaleb out there who was our penalty kick specialist, so this uh, yeah, right. would have had that right. Yeah, <laughs> only way he can score goals it seems. Um, so a couple minutes after that, and I didn't catch this. Maybe you caught this. Uh, Tilo Kerr ended up getting like a nasty black eye. It was like swollen shut. Looked like he had been in a boxing match. Uh, did you see what happened? I think it was on a header or something, and when he was defending, but I'm actually not sure either. But uh, yeah, as you say. Um, crazy swollen above his eye on the right side he looked like you know rocky after going a number of rounds or something yeah. it was but you know he soldiered on and, and kept playing didn't seem to affect him too much outside of uh you know maybe a little bit of a narrowed field of vision with his right eye and you know probably just some some pain if he got a header on that the wrong way later um that, that would probably hurt but um he actually played a pretty good game so maybe he should have that happen to him every week <laughs> exactly um it, you know and that's a tricky situation too because yeah, it's your eye that's being, you know, swollen shut, and it, it, you're, you could be put in a dangerous situation there where you can't, you know, you don't have the your full vision, uh, you know, especially I guess it was his right eye, so looking to the right, and it could have been, uh, it could have hurt not only him but hurt the team, um, but I guess they, they managed to get the swelling down just enough where he could open his eye, um, so I could see where it could be a tricky, cl- tricky call both for the referee, I don't know if that's his decision, or or it'd be Tedesco's in that situation. Um, I'm sure if you ask the player, the player's gonna say I'm gonna play no matter what, so. Uh, but good to see. I mean, like you said, he had a really good game, and 
maybe this uh, Nala should punch him every day before the game starts, uh, so I can play that way. <laughs> yeah, unless he's bleeding or there was a concussion or something, I doubt that the referee would try to force him off the pitch or anything. So, um, just one of those things where it probably was uh, inconvenient and maybe a little bit painful. But uh, you know, these guys are professionals and they're gonna usually play through that kind of a thing. Well, through the first half hour, uh, Ralph Farman really didn't have much to do. Uh, but then he was actually uh, he was forced to do something real quick. Uh, it was around the 28th, 29th minute. Uh, Quaison had a really good chance to get the host the lead. His shot just went over the goal, but Farman was caught flat-footed. Um, had that been a target, target that would have been a, uh, a goal, no doubt. Nobody in the world would have saved that, not even Farman. Uh, but he, uh, I think that kind of woke him up because... Uh, uh, Mainz did have some opportunities throughout the game that he had to come up big for. Um, and then, really, the only th- other thing I'm going to talk about in the first half is 43rd minute uh, is a play that kind of summed up the first half, really. And that's when Latza uh, for Mainz had an opportunity to charge up the box. Uh, then he fell flat on his face, just stumbling to the ground. That pretty much encapsulated what happened in the first half, Jack. Uh, <laughs> it went to halftime 0-0. Zero, zero. Possession was even 50-50. Uh, while both teams had a shot on target, and Mainz actually had more on, uh, had taken more shots, like something like 8-3 to three or something. Uh, really no creativity from Schalke in the first half, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It was, uh, it was pretty dull for the most part. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, like, there's nothing to say in the first half. It was, it was, rather, <laughs> it was rather dull, and it's something you. It's kind of disappointing because you're playing a team in a relegation zone, a relegation fight, and you're and you're in a you're in a Champions League fight right now. So you would think there'd be more emphasis on trying to attack and put this team away, and it really wasn't there for Schalke. Yeah, and I mean that's what I'm talking about earlier. You you wouldn't know it by looking at these two teams. You know where they were in the table. They seemed fairly evenly matched all game. And this is something Schalke tends to do a lot not always but it seems more often than not they they tend to kind of play to the level of their opponent and they just seem to do like just enough to either hang around in a game or just enough to win a game and you know you'd like to see sort of a more consistent baseline level of play that when they do go up against some of these teams you know they're they're putting you know two or three goals in consistently and and looking like the dominant side and it, it happens occasionally but um not enough to where you and i can watch a lot of these games comfortably Without yeah. freaking out about you know how how it's going to end, so well clearly uh, we weren't the only ones that were fed up with the play in the first half. Uh, Tedesco decided to kind of spark the attack, if you will. Uh, he took off Alessandro Schoff and he brought in Leon Goretzka. So that's one one good substitution. Um, and then maybe six minutes after the f- he likes his substitutions like shortly after halftime. Uh, in the fifty first minute, he took yeah. off Marco Piazza and he brought in Yevon Konoplyanka. It's a guy we haven't seen with decent amount of action lately, so that's that was good. Um, so, what was, I guess before I get move on, what were your uh, what was your assessment of how Piazza and uh, Alexander Schoff played in the first half for most of the, the first half and a couple minutes of the second half? I don't think either of them played poorly. They were just largely, you know, ineffectual and not particularly yeah. noteworthy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it you know it was a fine performance. And honestly, Schoff has been kind of doing that recently for me. Um, he, he's a player that I like in general, but I feel outside of a, maybe a couple performances. Um, the way he's performed this year has not been maybe up to the standard of his performances in re- in recent seasons. Um, he hasn't been somebody that, in my opinion, really comes in and and stands out. And you kind of look to him as somebody who made a big difference in a match too often. Um, you know, it's usually Caligari on that side to begin with, so he's not always playing anyway. But um, I didn't mind seeing him taken off. And then Piazza, you know, d- didn't do a whole lot, and honestly, didn't get a whole lot of service either because of how 
you know, just completely toothlessly were on the offensive end in the first half. But uh, he's also not as as strong in the pressing game as, you know, maybe Bergstahler or DeSanto are. So, um, you know, when he's when he's not getting service or when Schalke's not, you know, doing much offensively, um, he probably ends up looking a little bit worse than even, you know, DeSanto or somebody else does because I think they bring more to the table, in you know, in terms of work rate. Uh, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, it seems that, um, you know, Alexander Schoff is a kind of player where like, he's a good person to fill in when some of your players need to rest. Uh, he doesn't do anything negatively that'll, that'll hurt your team, but he doesn't really also bring anything. Oh, he hasn't this season. He can, he has a potential, but he just hasn't brought that. Um, uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't hurt you defensively, I think, I guess. Yeah. And the interesting thing was when this substitution was made, when Goretzka was brought on for, for shop, it looked like McKenney went to the right wing back position. And so, you know, we've we've heard some things out of camp, and we've seen this, you know, yeah, yeah. occasionally where where McKenney has kind of dropped back into sort of like a deeper, you know, splitting the center backs or something. Um, and we know this kid is versatile, but that was the first time I think we've seen him kind of playing over on the right side. So that was interesting to see how that went. And overall, I think it went fairly well. I don't think he was, you know, um, blew anybody away back there, but he he did a job. He did a shift, and I think that only speaks to. Uh, you know his his continued value to the club when you can kind of move him around, put him in different spots, and he can do a job for you. Speaking of McKenny, uh, shortly after Konoplyaka came on, um, Diallo for Mainz was weaving inside and outside. Uh, he ended up going wide uh, to where McKinney was in the right back position to try to cross it in. Uh, as the cross came in, Weston McKinney appeared to make a handball just outside the box. Uh, it ended up deflecting out for a corner. Uh, what did you make of that play? Did you think it was a handball, or did you just think it was a uh, just a play that you know, like like we said earlier, with the it was as in that was, was in a natural position and really couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, I think I think Mainz had more of a shout for that than Schalke did on the first one. Um, but similarly, you know, McKenney's pretty close to him, doesn't have a whole lot of time to react. His arm is is in a little bit more of an unnatural position. It's a little bit wider out. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Um, and even if it was, it was outside the box, so it wouldn't have been a penalty. Um, I don't know. I mean, if Mainz fans want to get upset about that one, they can. And if that had been called for a free kick, I don't know if I would have been, you know, terribly upset about it. But, um, you know, it wasn't a penalty situation. So I don't really know if it's that important to stop the game there or whatever. So I, I, how did you see it? Um, well, first off, I didn't, it was outside the box, like you said. So it wouldn't have been a penalty. So if you're, if people are complaining about my uh, penalty kick there, get over it. It's not even, it wasn't in the box. Uh, but I actually do think McKinney, in my opinion, stuck his hand out. Now, it was very, Instant reaction, but I, I mean, I we, and I play the game, and I, my, I sometimes I have an instant reaction where I want to stick my hand out uh, when I shouldn't, you know, for plays like that. So maybe maybe McKinney was doing that because um, it looked like he was going to jumping to the right, and the ball was going to, like just to his left. So it looked like he stuck his arm out. But so, but I mean, if they get they call that a, a free kick. Whoop you do? Who does minds have that can take a free kick anyway? So um, it would have been a big <laughs> deal there. <laughs> Sorry, minds fans, if you're listening. <laughs> Um, but no, nah, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't super intentional at all. I mean, I think it was just a reaction by him. Um, if you wanted to give him a, a foul for that, I don't think it was a yellow card by any stretch because it wasn't leading to any opportunities. But um, yeah, I mean, I I, I think he kind of did intentionally. But whatever. I mean, I'm not I'm not crying over here. It's uh, it would have been a free kick, and I don't think anything would have came from it. Like I said, so uh, we'll move on from that. Um, let's move on to something that was uh, more meaningful for us. Uh, just a few minutes after that play, actually, Carer 
uh, he was wide right, and he was uh, he gave it to DeSanto, who was near him, um, and he quickly gave it to Daniel Caligiri, who literally was at the midfield mark. Nothing special about this, right? Not so much. Daniel Caligiri, he gets the ball, passes one defender with ease, flies by the flies by another two defenders, uh, continue his run up the pitch uh, with two more defenders closing in. He unleashes a, a wonderful shot that freezes the keeper, and it gives Schalke the lead, and as the announcer said, stunning goal, Jack. It really was. Uh, you know, as you say, he, he picks up the ball kind of left of center. Um, he's about even with the, kind of the uh, the mind's end of the center circle there, just in acres of space. And Onisi, um, uh, or, 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 or however you pronounce his name, I apologize. Uh, I'll try that again. I'm not going to try that again. Whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> Onisi, we all say whatever. He, he's, he comes out to close uh, Caligari down and he, Caligari gets him going the wrong way, gets past him and then kind of slides in between him and Serdar and uh, he gets a little bit of space. He's running towards the box and I think uh, Gbaman and, Bo- and Bell are both kind of cheating a little bit over yeah. to kind of Plianka who's making a run down the left-hand side. They were worried about a ball playing over there and um, them cheating in that direction I think gave Caligari an opportunity to kind of cut a little bit closer to center um, and get a shot off and um, honestly just phenomenal shot. Just this curling effort gets right inside the far post keeper yeah. has no chance at it um i mean if you look at it, it it really is probably poor defending on Mainz's part um more than anything but uh you know even if they allowed him to get there he still has to finish that and that was quite a finish yeah that was an excellent finish and normally i mean nine times out of ten when Caligiri gets the ball in that position he just usually passes it out wide it's nothing play but something in him was like forget this i'm taking it i'm taking a house um, and maybe it's something Tedesco said that we need more shots at, at halftime. I don't know. Uh, but he did, he looked like he was on a mission. He's like, I'm just taking it in house. And then, like you said, he had to have the composure to finish it off after doing all that. And boy, what a finish. I mean, nobody, nobody in the world would have stopped that. Maybe, maybe the JO or, or just taking so he, he- Here's the th- here's the thing. Uh, literally probably about 30 seconds before this sequence started, Goretzka had an opportunity kind of on the edge of the box and and rather than, you know, run in or or take a shot, he kind of dances around and passes it backwards. And this is something that's been pissing me off about Goretzka recently. Yeah. He's been yeah. he's been so bland. This is a guy that's supposed to have, you know, all the attacking talent in the world and he's 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 not using it. He, he just he's he's kind of just jogging around out there, and he's not really taking anybody on, putting him into task, making somebody step up and make a play. And uh, you know, this is the kind of thing I love to see from Caligari. Then you know, we're all just we're all kind of standing around on offense, not trying to force the issue. And Caligari is finally like, you know what, I'm just going to take a run here and charge at him, and you know, make somebody make a play. And no one did. And obviously, you know, once again, still had to deliver. You know, it was a world class finish. But I just love seeing the intention and the energy, and it's something I thought was lacking from a lot of players. You know this game, and then also Goretzka recently. Yeah, and uh, it's about time. Go figure that it's uh, Dan Caligiri that steps up to do it because he's been like a hardest worker all season. It seems like, and yeah, um, what a goal! I mean, again, he's done this before where he's had these these howitzers, uh, especially when he plays on the left wing side. So I mean, I guess he cuts in and and shoots it with his right. Um, so I mean, do you, do you disagree with me on my Goretzka take though? No, I agree 100 percent with you. It, I, I, it, it I mean, you would, me off. Would, it's almost like since he got the contract yeah. too, he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna coast the rest of the season until I go to Bayern. 
No, exactly. I mean, he's already leaving leaving Schalke and, and going to Bayern, and you know the fans are already pissed enough about that. You would think in a World Cup year that he would be one trying to make a World Cup squad, two trying to you know impress his his his, form, his future employer, and three try to leave Schalke on a good note, put some good performances, and help us qualify for the Champions League. And he's been completely vanilla over the last couple months. I, he's I, I don't haven't been impressed with him at all. With far I, below, I think what he's capable of. If uh, Goretzka doesn't know it, uh, Germany have one of the, the the most depth, the biggest depth in midfield out of any country in the world, probably. And yeah, no if, shit. If he's I not mean, paying attention, he's not going to a. He's not going to get started. If I'm Yogi Love, I'm not starting him. Two, I may not even take him to World Cup at this at this rate. The way he's playing, I mean, the way some of the other, these midfielders and 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 for Germany are playing this year, I'm going to pick them before I pick him. Just just the way he's playing right now, he needs to pick it up, in my opinion, if he wants to make the the World Cup squad. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I I think he probably end up will, but I mean, like, that's never that's never a guarantee for for anybody. You know what I mean? Even good players, if they're in 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 poor form, and you got you know some some person who maybe doesn't have you know isn't held in the same regard, if they get hot at the right time, they they can punch their ticket. And you know, I think Goretzka will go, but he's certainly not playing like he cares about Schalke or about the World Cup. So, um, you know, this is something that we talked about. You know, w- yeah. once this decision was made on his part, we we're like, okay, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But now we need him to step up and be a leader and and help, you know, lock us into the Champions League for next season. He's really not doing that. And if you if you got you listeners out there you know, disagree with us or see something differently, please let us know because uh, maybe we're missing something. But that's, that's how it looks to us. Um, but uh, let's get off of this uh, Goreska rant for once because uh, – I feel the Santos. No, I'm not talking about the Santos. Uh, the 65th <laughs> minute, um, Ralph Farman uh, finally uh, is called on to do something. Uh, when Sarder, uh he gets the ball uh, after a shocker player fell over. I forget who it was. Um, and he gets a pretty good shot off that rally uh, parries wide. Um, that was his first big save 65 minutes into the game. But um, just three minutes later, that man against Sarder, uh, he he gets another shot off from distance that rally is forced to save once again. Uh, the rebound ended up going wide to Uja, but fortunately for us, his shot goes high and wide. Uh, but Jack, uh, Mainz were starting to pick up the intensity at this point, and it had to uh, worry you. It, it did, and, and Serdar, I thought, had a really good game. Um, he, he was hustling out there. He was he was getting to a lot of 50-50 loose balls before Shaka players were. Um, and, you know, he was popping up in dangerous areas and, and putting himself in a position to, you know, receive service and, and get some shots off. And he put put Fairman under some pressure there. And, and honestly, I don't think that Schalke was doing a particularly good job closing him down. Um, uh, we talked about this thing. I don't know if it was last week or, you know, labor accusing game. I forget. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. But uh, I, I would go as far as to say that Serger was the best player for Mainz uh, for probably the second from the 65 minutes or – Second, pretty much the whole game, but uh, 65 minutes onward, he was the most dangerous player on the pitch for them. Yeah, he was really impressive. Um, and, you know, showed a lot of hustle, a lot of initiative, was winning a lot of loose balls that I think he was beating Schalke players too, and uh, got a couple shots off as well. So he was definitely a danger man for them. Good performance. All right. So um, in the 76th minute, it was really, really a tough moment in the match for Jack. Uh, as Franco Di Santo was subbed off for uh, Briel and Bolo, um, what was your what was your assessment of uh, Di Santo in this game? Another job um, well done, or yeah, you know, I poured some liquor out for him and you know, spread some roses <laughs> on the homie. Um, yeah, on the on the grave of his performance. Uh, no, I mean, 
did anybody offensively have a good game for Shalga? Uh, other than Caligiri in that one moment, no. I, I mean, of like no. the three that were playing up top, Bergstaller, no, no. yeah, no. I mean, so I, I'm not going to be hard on him today because um, I don't think there was anybody else that made him look particularly bad. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, we I've said this numerous times. I'm I'm never going to complain about Mbolo for DeSanto. Um, watch me eat my words when something happens like that later in the season and I don't like it. But generally speaking, <laughs> Mbolo is a player who has a, has a much higher ceiling than DeSanto, even if he maybe has a little bit lower of a floor. Yeah, no, I, agree with, I agree with that. Um, so not much to talk about, really. Uh, 79th minute, Bentela picked up a yellow for pulling the, pulling the jersey on a, on the Mainz attacker. Um, 84th minute, that guy again, Serdar, really starting to get into the game at this point. Uh, he begins a play out wide to Brozinski, uh, who gives it, who gives it to, um, Ostonali in the box. And this shot looks like it's going in, but Rao once again comes up with another big save. Uh, Rao had a pretty good game in this one. Um, he, his, his reactions were spot on in this one. I mean, it had some really big saves. I mean, Mainz could have probably had three or four goals in this game. Yeah, Mainz really started finding a lot of joy down the right-hand side later in the game. And as you said, uh, you know, Brotato chip over on the right-hand side there uh, picks that <laughs> nice. one up and, and, and plays that into Ustinali, who um, I actually didn't think that was a particularly good shot from him. Um, it's sort of a tame, curling thing right towards the middle of the goal. I think if he had hit that um, with a little bit more conviction towards one of the sides he might have he might have caused you know Fairman some issues but um you know ultimately be, ended up being a fairly comfortable save and uh there's a lot of those plays for Fairman in this one where you know they, they definitely forced some saves from him and he had to you know parry some stuff but a lot of them were um you know within reasonable reach he wasn't really ever at full stretch and really trying to save anything for us so yeah no and uh Things seemed like they were fairly comfortable, even though we were, you know, really tense because the scoreline was so close. Uh, but things started getting uh, a little tense on the pitch around like the 86th minute. Uh, there was a yellow for Gabamin for throwing down Bergstaller, who I thought probably could have got a uh, could have got a yellow for his foul on um, the player. I forget who it was. He fouled somebody, and he kept like hounding the person with the ball, and then uh, Gabamin came in and like. Like basically did the rock bottom on him, dropped him to the ground, got the yellow, yeah. and then and Franco Di Santa also picked up a yellow, which I didn't catch that. He may have reacted to what um, Gabamin did to Bergsell. I didn't. Did you see what Franco Di Santa did to to warrant that? I I didn't, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't as bad as grabbing somebody by the throat and throwing them down. So, <laughs> uh, well, a minute. Well, once play finally uh, resumed after all that stuff. Um, uh, there was a deep free kick by Gabamin, and uh, a Mainz player goes down in the box, and Kara appears to have shoved the player to the ground. Wa- the referee waves play on. Uh, VAR was called, and it was confirmed. Uh, it confirmed the ref's decision. Uh, are you okay with that? Did you think it was a penalty there, or uh, what did you think of that play? So this is probably the one more than anything else that I think had a chance to be called. And there was actually another one around the 70th minute that we didn't talk about where Bentaleb, um slid in for a block and there were some penalty shots about whether or not he hit him on the arm. But oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, but this this Kara play, when I saw it live, I definitely thought it had a chance to be a penalty. Um, but then the first couple of replays I saw, which were sort of from like Fairman's angle, um, it didn't really show enough about what was happening behind. It looked like there may have been an arm to the back or, you know, whatever. But um, maybe I'm biased. 
and I'm sure I am because this is the Schalke podcast after all. Um, but <laughs> the more I watch this replay, the, what it looked like to me is that um, the player who who was the player who went down. By the way, I forget. Oh, Ustinali, I believe. Was it Ustinali? Okay, let's just assume it's Ustinali. He didn't react um, to the arm initially. What it looked like to me is that his left leg ran into Carer's right or left leg. I forget. And he got it tripped up as he was uh, going to take a step, and that's what really caused him to fall down. Now, whether or not you want to call that a penalty is is a different question. It's kind of like a tangling of legs, but it looked like that was more the impetus for him losing his feet than any sort of contact in the back. But I could be totally wrong about that. I just couldn't tell from any of the angles I saw how um, how strong that push really was. Although we've certainly seen stuff like you know called like that before. I mean, that was plenty. To get a ticket to call, it just really kind of depends on how the refs want to um, interpret that. Especially, you know, in the 88th minute with Schalke with a lead, maybe they didn't want to, you know, uh, bring Mainz back into the game on a controversial call like that. But yeah. uh, how did you see it? Uh, at first, I thought it was a, I thought it was a penalty, and then I saw their first replay, and I thought maybe it was a collision between Naldo Carrer and and Ustanali or whoever the player was. Um, then I watched another replay and then I was like, I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> I really don't know. It was that close. And I can see where, uh, uh, where the referee just said, you know, I'm not going to, like you said, he's not, I don't want to put this, uh, the, the balance of this game yeah. on a penalty there when I'm not really sure. I mean, they did go to VAR and VAR said they didn't see anything either. So yeah. you're going to have to kind of side with them in that one when it's not, when you're not sure or if it's not nothing conclusive. He's got to go with what the referee. Yeah, the, the commentator certainly seemed to think it was a foul, and it clearly so. Like I said, the more I just watched it, the more it seemed like you know he, he really started falling down when it was you know the tangling of legs rather than that contact. But like I said, I could, I could be have the uh, the Schalke blinders on, so who knows? The Schalke beer goggles on, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, really, there's nothing much to say in the rest of the game. There was a tough tackle in the 89th, uh, just before the end of the game, where Quaison. He got a yellow for uh, a really tough tackle on Mbolo. And, and normally if it wasn't another player, you'd be like, okay, whatever. But it was Mbolo who's, who you know had a horrific uh, leg injury last year, uh, put him out for the whole season, and he just came back. You know, it's, So it's still tender for him. And to see him go down, you're thinking, oh, no, I hope he didn't get injured again. Luckily, he did and didn't seem like it, but uh, it was a tough tackle by the, by the attacker on an attacker. Yeah, um, that might have been one of the only plays that uh... – Goretzka did nicely with a little back heel there, but um, that is the correct sequence, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, no, that was the only thing that Goretzka did all game that really caught my eye. But anytime um, Mbolo goes down, you're always worried about it given his injury history. You know, he's just kind of coming back and getting into the swing of things, and it would be unfortunate if he were to go down again. But uh, luckily, um, I think it was more of an acting job on his part than anything. Uh, let's hope. Uh, so the game would end one nothing. Schalke with the victory remain in second place. Uh, one point up on Dortmund, who beat Frankfurt on the weekend, and two up on Leverkusen, who won their game against Gladbach. Eintracht slipped to fifth place, while Leipzig is in sixth place. Um, so we're holding par so far, which is good. We want to remain in where we are and keep the teams who are um, below us, especially the, our rivals over there. Uh, at Dortmund below behind us. Um, so uh, what a game that was today! You get a chance to catch any of that? I saw the score. I kept seeing the scores pop up. I didn't get to watch it. I'll probably watch a replay yeah. now, just knowing it was a three-two game. So was it a, was it a pretty close game with Frankfurt? Or I mean, I saw the score. Yeah, line, no, yeah, it, it was. I mean, I mean, there was. I think there was two goals in, in stoppage time that were scored. At two, the end, but uh, what yeah, about I each believe, team? 
Yeah, one by each team. But uh, uh, Pulisic, our boy, with a nice assist uh, to Batshuayi. Not not rooting for uh, a Dortmund <laughs> win here by <laughs> just the imagination. <laughs> don't 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 come at me with that. But uh, you know, from the American perspective, we love to see Pulisic on the pitch. He's been uh, not selected as much recently with Marco Royce kind of getting back into the picture, which you can understand. But uh, he had a good game today. All right, so we actually had a couple Twitter questions on here, and if there's a third one, Jack, please let me know. Okay. Uh, but to the first one, uh, um, it, it comes from at MartinGMGD. Uh, the question is, my question is simple. How can we get Franco Di Santo out and Max Cruza or anyone else in? Uh, we need an out-and-out striker like Lewandowski or Betashuai. Uh I think if we had a consistent goal scorer, we would have an, an incredible side. No more trying to hold on for this one nothing lead. Yeah, you attack yeah. that first. Yeah, so first of all, Martin uh, GMGD, I believe you tweeted us uh, last week as well, so I apologize for not getting you in last week, but we we appreciate your uh, your resolve and your consistency. So we got you, we got you this time. That's right. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, first of all, I agree with the sentiment. No more trying to hold on for these one nil wins. I would love it if we were a more um, competent offensive side. It would certainly uh, take the pressure off of us watching some of these games. Uh, so we're not, you know the last 10, 15 minutes, just a barrage of Mainz attacks or whoever we're playing, just kind of coming at us trying to pull something back. But um, yeah, I mean, how can we get rid of Franco DeSanto? (laughs) You just just get rid of him. I mean, the problem is that it seems, there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect between um, the portion of the Schalke fan base that kind of agrees with me. um, And apparently Domenico Tedesco, who, I mean, and who knows, maybe, maybe Domenico Tedesco, if he had other options at his disposal, would use them. But uh, DeSanto's getting selected regularly. Uh, he's been a regular starter for us this season. And he does bring certain things to the table, as we've talked about, his, his work rate and what have you. Um, I mean, whether or not Mark Uth, who's coming in on a free, ends up being that sort of you know talisman up top, the kind of person you're talking about, and that remains to be seen. I don't know what your opinion on that would be, Richard, on whether or not he can, he can fit into that role. But... Um, <laughs> I mean, if Tedesco has plans for Franco DeSanto, he has plans for Franco DeSanto. He's under contract until um, the summer of 2019. So unless we sell him now, he's going to be around for another year. It's not like he's going to walk. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I would I would love to bring somebody like Max Cruz in, but um, I don't know about a Lewandowski or a Batshuayi. That might be a little bit above what Schalke's recruitment um, can pull. Hey, let's let's, take, let's start taking players from Byron. They take enough from us. Let's go back and take players. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, no, oh, no, man. I I agree with you. I mean... uh. I think I do think Mark Uth actually would be uh, that out and out striker that we're looking for now. Whether he plays that position currently with um, Hoffenheim, I don't think he does. Uh, but we could probably use him, and he obviously has goal goal scoring prowess. Um, I don't know how he is, but holding up the ball and uh, Franco Santo is good at that in, in that regards. Uh, but I mean, Tedesco does see something that we all don't see, and I mean, he's got he's got a good use out of him in this false nine position. Surprising, but you know we can't play this position this way all the time. Maybe if you want to have yeah. him, and for these <clears throat> those games where you need him, where it would work, um, like we had in the last two three games. But um, you do need an out and out striker now. Who is is Uth the the miracle guy? I don't know. Um, I don't know who I would like as a an out striker. I don't know if I'd, I'd take Max Cruz. I mean Max Cruz a couple years ago I'd take him, but right now I'm not so sure. Um, Maybe Kiesling in his heyday, but not uh, now, not anymore. He's 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 definitely away from his prime. I don't know who who. I'd yeah, get. I mean, it's going to be a question of. I mean, do we have somebody in the side that can fill that role? Could Mbolo end up being that? I don't know. I don't think so. He's more of a winger anyway, um, or you know, sort of somebody that kind of plays off the shoulder a little bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the fact of the matter is, Franco DeSanto has what three three or four goals this season. 
Uh, maybe it's not, three. <laughs> yeah, it's not much more than that. And I'm sorry. I mean, I know that we had um, Abel Mezzaroshan from Talking Foosball, and he kind of disagreed with me on this, but that's not good enough for me for a striker. It just isn't. Plain and simple. You have to score goals, especially when you have a team like Schalke who aren't scoring a whole lot of goals uh, through other methods. Um, you know, it, we're relying on penalties and set pieces to get a lot of these. Uh, you know, Bergstaller is a good player, but um, he can't do it all himself. And he's not somebody who's going to score 20 goals for you a season. He's going to score, you know, 10 to 15. Um, and that's that's worth having on your team. And that's that's important. But, um, you know, if Franco DeSanto wasn't going to start equaling those numbers, he needs he needs to go um, or, you know, whatever it needs to be replaced. And hopefully, you know, maybe a toy can do that. I doubt it. Uh, or. You know, Mark Uth will end up turning into that. But I was going to uh, say, know. we haven't seen anything about Toykert yet, and he could become that guy. I mean, he's a striker at Nuremberg. Uh, he was, I should say. Um, so maybe he has that potential. We don't know. We just got to get an opportunity to play. Yeah, and I, I hate to see that because at least when – I mean, I hate stealing players from other teams because it happens so often to us, especially midseason. I hate doing that. But at least when we brought Bergstaller in from Nuremberg, he played immediately and was a huge part of that team in the, in the Rook Runner for us last season. Uh, Toykert's only been on the pitch, what, like once? For a very brief cameo, I don't yeah. think he's. Yeah, I don't think he's really been on there besides that. So, um, yeah, maybe give him a shot. Um, I mean, especially with Franco DeSanto playing in sort of this deeper lying position he's playing in. You, I mean, you can't tell me you wouldn't rather have Harit there, right? Absolutely. I mean, come on. So, um, we feel you, Martin GMGD. We do. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about it for months. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens in the summer. All right. Our next question comes from at. A-V-A-K-Y underscore. Uh, I guess it's Avaki. Avaki. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the question is, hope is not too late, but who do you guys see replacing Meyer if he leaves in that number six position? In a position that is in, in a position that important, it would be wise to spend a bit more on a quality player. But who are, are there alternatives realistically? Yeah, first of all, I just want to comment on the fact that this listener's a, a Twitter photo is appears to be Hannibal Burris with a 40-ounce Nice. Which is which is interesting. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So we talked a little bit when it came to Goretzka about potentially Weston McKenney being sort of the natural replacement for Goretzka because they they kind of have a more similar play style. But um, if both Meyer and Goretzka leave, and the Meyer thing isn't a done deal yet, but if both of them end up leaving, um, that causes a problem for us because I don't think either McKenney or Bentaleb really have the exact skill set that Meyer does. Um, he's been such a huge part of this team. His composure on the ball, all, I mean, all those things. Um, and uh, even, even so, we, we, would, we wouldn't have the depth that we have now, and we'd have to go out and buy somebody. So, um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to have it internally. We're going to have to go pick somebody up. I don't know who that person would be. Um, it's something I'll have to give some thought to. I don't really have a great answer for that off the top of my head. Do you? So I was thinking about this before the game, and then they kind of um – I, I, it seemed like Bentaleb would be someone who could possibly do that position because uh, he doesn't give you much offensively uh, or hasn't yet for us. Um, so if you put him back there, he has decent passing ability. But I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see him just try there to see how he would do. I mean, we didn't think Max Meyer would have done well, and he did well. So maybe Bentaleb would be worth a shout. But uh, someone who I you know, I, I kind of thought about last week, I believe it was. Uh, who we played last week again? Uh, Herta. Herta, yeah. Um, they have uh, the guy named Meyer, right? They have a young kid named Meyer, 19 years old. Yeah. Uh, he could be worth a shot because uh, – <laughs> Meyer for Meyer. Meyer for Meyer. I mean, hey, he's young too. He's like 19 years old. He played pretty well against us. Why not? Uh, you know? Um, yeah, and the other thing I'll say is I don't know if it is necessarily crucial 
to replace Meyer with somebody who has the exact same skill set because right, right. when he's in the game, we tend to kind of focus everything around him. Um, and it's not that that hasn't worked; it hasn't been good, but that's not the only way that you have to play. Um, and I don't know if I don't necessarily know if we need somebody to be that that fulcrum and that sort of deep lying orchestrator to the extent that he has been. We could end up, you know, bringing in somebody else and, and kind of going a different direction with the way Tedesco sets up the system. So we'll see. But I mean, it certainly would be a big loss, and um, it's a question that I'm sure Christian Heidel is is pondering on a daily basis. We actually just got a question on the fly. Uh, we got it from Corey Simons uh, at C-O-S-I-M-O-N-S. Uh, he asks, why can Dortmund re-sign Royce and RB Leipzig uh, sign Werner? But, you know, Schalke is unable to hang out to up-and-coming players. It's a good question. Because the soccer, <laughs> yeah, because the soccer guys hate us. No, um, <laughs> I, I would like to think that... I mean, so first of all, Dortmund is more of a consistent Champions League team than we are right now. Um, and, you know, RB Leipzig is a team that's very much on the rise. I, I would love if Schalke can can hang on to their players. Um, I personally try to blame Horst Helt for a lot of this, for, you know, the sort of the contract situation that Heidel inherited when he came to the club. Right. Um, but I guess we'll find out in coming seasons if, if history ends up repeating itself and um, but yeah, I mean, really, it's just a fact of we've just done a horrible job managing the contracts of our young players. We 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 don't um, we aren't signing contracts with them uh, to put ourselves in a situation that when they are reaching their peak desirability to other European clubs, um, they're still under contract. That such hasn't been the case. Like they seem to be peaking and really gaining serious interest right as they're about to become free agents. And if you don't lock them up soon enough, then they really have no incentive to you know, re-sign for the club. It would be nice if they would just so that we could sell them and, you know, get some money. But, um, you know, you've heard things about Goretzka getting a pretty massive signing bonus from Bayern. Um, and that's partially because they're not having to pay anything for him. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's frustrating. I don't know what the cause of it is. Um, you know, it, it happens to a lot of clubs. It's not just Schalke, unless you're a Bayern, unless you're a Barca, unless you're, you know, whoever you're going to have trouble holding on to talent. There's, I mean, players go in and out all the time. It would just be nice if we could at least get some money for them when they do leave. Yeah. And I think it's, I think most of that has to do with policy and I don't know, uh, if it comes from the top or is it, it was, it was it, um, uh, horse health before. Um, but I think, uh, no, nah, Heidel needs to try to find a way to change his policy and and keep these players as best they can. Now, if the players don't want to stay, that's one thing. But uh, if you have a chance to re-sign a player, a young player, and keep him for under a longer contract, kind of like we did with McKenney, um, then you need to take advantage of that and then try to get you know assigned quality players to come in as well. So um, yeah, we can, the other thing, can, I'll, the other thing I'll say to Corey real quick is just that you know Royce also has a history of injury trouble, so he might not be as um, attractive to other clubs as some of our players are. But I mean, also, um, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe Schalke's losing players for free more often, but it's not like Dortmund's maintaining a lot of talent either. Look at all the players that Dortmund's lost in recent seasons, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, Hummels, uh, Lewandowski, Goethe, who they ultimately brought back, you know, Shinji Kagawa, who they ultimately brought back briefly, but, you know, Gunduan, um, uh, Mikatarian, like all the, I mean, and now Aubameyang recently um so it's not it's not just Schalke I mean it's it's hard for anybody who wasn't Bayern in the Bundesliga to maintain their talent and Schalke is doing this to other clubs as well you know look at all the players we've taken from Mainz in recent seasons right yeah that, that's very true so it's uh we don't have the answers for what you guys were want we, we, we have some ideas but 
we don't know what ultimately how it's going to get resolved, and uh, hopefully Heidel has this. That's maybe that's why he got brought in, so he can uh, resolve these problems for us and 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 steer the ship in the in the right direction where we can keep some of these youngsters and uh, get better and start challenging the likes of Byron and and Dortmund uh, year in and year out. Um, I didn't see any other Twitter questions. Did you? No, I think that's it. But we appreciate the couple of those that did come in. We're always happy to field those, and uh, yeah, keep them coming. No, no, we love that. And uh, real quick before we wrap this up, uh, we we've played Wolfsburg next week. Uh, Wolfsburg currently are just above the relegation zone thanks to goal differential. Uh, in the previous meeting, as you guys recall, whether you want to or not, Schalke were seconds away from victory when uh, Divac Origi pulled back a late goal to share the spoils both ways. Uh, any predictions for this one, Jack? Well, they got beaten up pretty badly by Hoffenheim this past week. Yeah. Um, and they are on a pretty brutal run of form beyond that. How many games have they lost? in a, uh, Only two, but they I believe they've lost in the Bundesliga four out of their last five, I want to say. Okay. And there's some good opponents in there. There's Bayern, there's Leverkusen, there's Hoffenheim. They've kind of had a similar schedule to what Schalke's actually had recently. Um, but, yeah, not a good season. Wolfsburg is another team, much like Mainz, that has maybe been better in recent seasons than they have this year. They're dangerously close to that relegation battle as well. They're they're tied on points with Mainz just ahead on, um, you know, tiebreakers or what have you. So, uh yeah, this stretch of four games before the Dortmund game for us are all against teams that are, you know, 13th in the table or lower, I believe. So we were able to keep this win streak going against Mainz. I hope that we can do it again against Wolfsburg. And hopefully if we do lose, it's not in or, you know, hopefully if we don't manage all three, it doesn't happen in the fashion, as you said, that it happened earlier in the season, because that was a that was a brutal way to drop some points. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, the boys can help uh, continue the misery for Wolfsburg. Maybe get a few goals on the board because I'm tired of this one nothing or one goal victories. Amen. Um, I love the victories. Don't get me wrong, but we need to get a little bit. I, li- I like to breathe in the games and not be so wound <laughs> up and you know, clenching my fist the entire time. So let's see. Uh, let's see. Hopefully the boys get a, a, a two nothing victory <laughs> or something. Something like that, even a big one. I want a big victory. That'd be nice. Score a goal, Weston McKinney. Score a goal. All right, Chalka fans, what did you make of the of the game against Mainz? Uh, tell us about it at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. That, uh, that'll wrap it up there. Um, keep tuning in each week as we'll bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Opta Franz, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, please tweet us at SF4 underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, keep those questions coming. We love to, to interact with the fans. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Connect with me there. Send me some questions or just uh, talk Schalke or Kansas Jayhawk basketball, which is one of my other great loves. So, whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I look forward to hearing from you guys. Very good. And I'm your host, uh, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well and, and pretty much anywhere on social media at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoots. <laughs>